You're listening to Being Autistic. I'm your host, Shelly, and I am a 50-year-old woman sharing my experiences about what it's like to grow up knowing I was different but not knowing why, how I learned I was on the autism spectrum, and what it's like to be autistic. Hello, everyone. In this episode, I'm going to talk about masking. I'm going to give examples of masking for those of you who might not be aware maybe some of these are things that you do but you didn't know they were masking or maybe you are just wondering you know maybe you've just been recently diagnosed or you're wondering if you are autistic and you just don't know what masking really means so I'm gonna cover all of that in this episode I'm gonna be reading from my favorite book about autism, it's called Bite-Sized Autism by Dana Waters. I'm also going to be reading from my autism workbook. That's, it's a printable workbook. It's a 20-page printable, and it's available at my Etsy shop. So I'm going to go through the examples of masking that I have in that book, too. So let's start off with explaining what masking is. Quite simply, it is any behavior that is used to hide autistic traits for the benefit of fitting in into a neurotypical world. If, if the world was not designed the way that it is, we would not need to mask. So really, it's, it's, the, it's the behaviors that we've learned that we've needed in order to survive in the world that we live in. So um, I'm going to go through a couple tips and definitions and just facts about masking from this bite-sized autism book. And then I'll go in through the, the actual examples. So women, girls, females, tend to mask more than men due to the cultural pressure for women to fit in socially. So I think it's... Um, kind of uh, common for females to need that, you know, the group of female friends. Um, I think I've seen, I've been like that since I was a child. I, I've always wanted a, a group of female friends and it's always eluded me and probably because I don't fit in with them. I just, I'm not into things that most girls are into. I'm not into fashion. I'm not into makeup or jewelry or hairstyles or shopping for, you know, random shopping sprees. I'm not into gossip. I'm, you know, there's so many things that females are generally into that I just don't fit in, you know, and I, I knew that from a young age. Even though I wanted to fit in, I couldn't. And so masking is something that we do in order to try to fit in, although like I have experienced myself, it doesn't always work. In fact, it usually doesn't, but it's really all we know. Autistics are masters of disguise, meaning they learn to do this at an early age and lose touch with their true selves. And this was me for probably the first 30 years of my life. I didn't really explore any hobbies or interests because I was always hooking on to what other people liked because you just lose your identity. You know, you don't know who you are because you're too busy trying to fit in with what everybody else is. 
And that's really the basis of the beginning of masking. And this is a main reason why women are often misdiagnosed because like I said, females, they, they, are, they get really good at masking um, sometimes and they can really put on an act. And this really, it's, it's detrimental to the woman, of course, but it's also, it makes it so that nobody knows. It, it makes it so that you can blend in with society and nobody is wiser that you have autism, including yourself. Because a lot of people that have never been diagnosed yet, they might be in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s. And, you know, it's, it's not something that people talk about much or know about. When I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, I never knew what autism was. I didn't hear about it until maybe 10 years ago, which would have been like 2010 or something. So how would anybody pick up on someone that is being autistic when they don't show the signs because they don't know it themselves and they're trying to fit in? So I'm going to talk a little bit now about the the detrimental things that happen to you from masking. Masking takes a huge amount of energy. It can lead to meltdowns, shutdowns, and burnout. And these things can last for days, weeks, months, even years. I actually think that I'm still in burnout because, well, that's a whole separate subject. I won't go deep into that, but you know, the longer that you mask for, I think the harder it is to recover from that. And I did it for 50 years, 49 years at least. Well, you know, I should say that I actually did unmask without knowing I was masking a little bit in some ways. And I'll get into that when I talk about the examples. But um, so the other thing I wanted to point out from this book, this is the last thing I want to say is that many women who mask have been doing it for their whole lives without even knowing it. And that was me. I didn't know I was autistic until I was 49, almost 50. And so my whole life, I thought I was just trying to fit in with the world and failing and not knowing why. And that took a toll on my mental health. And yeah, it's not good because you don't know who you are and you're, you're suppressing your true authentic self. So I will go a little bit more into that when I get to that section of what I wanted to talk about with examples. So now I'm going to go through my workbook page of examples that I was talking about, masking behaviors. So there's about 10 or 15 of them here that I'm going to go through and then I'm going to explain how they affected me and like some ways that you can see this in your life. So for me, my biggest masking behavior, I think, was alcohol. Using alcohol in order to change myself, to, to talk more. If I didn't drink, I barely talked. And, you know, people can use drugs for this as well. So drugs and alcohol are both included in this category. You know, basically addictions that you learn to use to change your personality because you know, let's face it, when you drink, when you do drugs, you're going to probably talk more, you're going to have different thoughts, you're going to act differently. <clears throat> and so that was how I lived my life for a good 30 years. 
getting drunk all the time just so that I could, you know, interact with people. And it was really evident when I would go out to the clubs and when I first got there, you know, I didn't, I felt awkward. It was just awkward. <laughs> and I got a drink immediately and drank it fast so that it would kick in fast. And then I was good for, you know, three or four hours. And then when I started to get too drunk and had to stop and got, you know, depressed and didn't like, uh, sometimes I got depressed, but what would happen is when the alcohol would wear off, I would just retreat back into my shell. And one time I was at the club and I was sobering up so that I could drive home and everybody else that I was with was sitting at a table or two talking. And then there was me by myself at another table by myself, just sitting there watching everybody else talk. And that was exactly what, you know, it's a good metaphor for my life. Like that's how it was on the playground with all the school kids. That's how I am in any group of people if I'm not either on drugs or alcohol. So that's a good example of masking. The next example of masking is copying others' behaviors and words. So this can be something that you pick up from your classmates, your friends, TV even, movies. You know, a lot of autistic people focus on spending time alone watching TV and that's a big part of, you know, where we pick up these behaviors and words. In fact, a lot of autistic people will say things like phrases word for word that they picked up from a person or a movie and that's that's their communication you know they don't know how to have a real conversation well i shouldn't say that it's it's we conversate differently but in order to fit in we have to you know make it look like we know what we're talking about and so that's that's an example of masking another example is withholding things about yourself from others this can be anything from stimming behaviors to what your interests are or opinions that you have or, you know, just anything that you choose to hide. And, you know, this can also pertain to neurotypical people too because not everybody is the same person around different people. Sometimes you act differently and that's a form of masking too. But when it comes to autistic people, this is a big thing when you don't show your true self, when you hide your stimming behaviors, for example, you know, like I do that. I, I don't do it in a visible way. I do it in a hidden way. So like when I'm around people, instead of, you know, instead of rubbing my fingernail against my lip, like I always do, I'll keep my hands to myself and I'll just maybe put them in my pockets and rub my fingernails with my fingers. And that's something that I'm doing all the time. And I try to hide it. And you know, that's an example of masking too, is hiding that stuff. Another example of masking is talking more than you would like to. So this is the opposite of not talking enough. And I fell into this trap when I was drunk. <laughs> I'm like, wow, there's nothing holding me back now. I'm just gonna talk and talk and talk. And it ended up making me look like a different person. Like if somebody had met me when I was talking up a storm, they would think, wow, this girl is really 
really friendly and open and outgoing and extroverted. Like, I can pretend that, especially when I'm drinking. But that's not the real me. So when you're talking more than you want to, when 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 you find yourself saying things just to impress the group, that is an example of masking. Another example is saying yes to more things than you would like to. This is a good example of how boundaries are hard for autistic people because a lot of us are people pleasers. At least we start off that way because we're just trying to fit in. We want everybody to like us. So we hang out with people when they're doing things that we might not want to even do. And I did this a lot when I was in my 20s and 30s. My group of friends was always like, we're going to go to the amusement park and go on the roller coasters. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to sit home by myself and it's Friday, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with you guys and whatever. So then what ended up happening all the time was I would just, I don't like rides, so I just sat and waited for them to get off the rides. And some of these lines were like a half an hour long. So the whole day they were having fun together and I was just waiting for them to get back, hoping that they would be like, let's go do something more chill. Let's go get some food or let's go just hang out by the flowers or something and stuff that I would want to do. But no, they just wanted to keep going on more rides. And I'm, I, yeah. Nowadays, if somebody were to ask me to do that, I would straight up say, I don't do amusement amusement parks. So learning to say yes to more things, or I'm sorry, learning to say no to things that you don't want to do is a good way to overcome that behavior or that, I should say, to you know put the boundary in place because you have to protect your energy. You don't want to be doing things for the sake of other people, you know? The next masking behavior that I have on this list is suppressing your urge to stim. So I just mentioned this a minute ago, um, and this is probably a really common one because stimming is looked down on and people get judged for it, you know? If, if you're standing somewhere in a group of people and you're rocking back and forth and you're biting on your nails or you're twirling your hair, you know, you're going to be seen as weird and neurotic and nobody's going to want to talk to you because they're going to think you're nervous, which, (laughs) you know, you probably are. That's why you're doing it. Um, Because it's a social situation that's not comfortable. So anytime you are in a around people and you don't do those things, that is stimming. The next thing on my list is rehearsing scripts to say in certain situations. I I probably do this, but you know, it's, it's hard to actually identify it because I thought it was normal to think in my head things that I wanted to say when I was talking to people. And oftentimes I'll, I'll hear something funny somewhere and I'll be like, oh, I got to remember to say that next time I'm around people. (laughs) So and rehearsing scripts is even deeper. That's actually playing conversations in your in your mind before you even get into the situation. Like, you know, if you're going to go on a date, you might rehearse things that you want to say. That is a total autistic thing. I don't think neurotypicals ever need to do that because they just go with the flow and they know how to be social. And that's not something that autistic people can do very easily. The next masking behavior is downplaying your struggles to appear strong to others. And I think we all do this 
and even neurotypical people can do this too um, for different reasons. But when it comes to autistic people, we struggle with more things and we struggle more with those things. So I've done this. I've been like, you know, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example, but you know, just trying to be an adult and you're struggling on the inside, like, oh my God, I'm going to have to ask for help on this, but I don't want to ask people that know me because then they're going to know I'm struggling. And so I'll act like I got it all under control and I'll ask a stranger something. That way I don't get embarrassed in front of the people that I know. So that's a form of masking too, is acting like things are not a struggle when they are. And that can lead to burnout as well. The next example of masking is suffering through your sensory issues. This was a big one for me. Oh my God, I was struggling so bad with bright lights and loud noises when I worked in any job really, because most jobs have bright lights and you know, there's usually the public, customers, stuff like that, you know, and factories I've worked in, loud noises just the whole entire time just hundreds of machines running at the same time it's it is a nightmare if you've never worked in a factory and you have problems with loud noises don't ever work in a factory it was there were times where i'd be working in fact this was the last job i had like five years ago i the lights were so bright there that many times i would suddenly become overcome with it. It would be, it would almost be like my eyes couldn't handle it and they, they just got like a dark haze went over them and I felt like I need to close my eyes and I'm running this machine that's got a blade on it and I can't even hardly open my eyes and that was just dangerous. And so that's one of the problems that I have with working in factories. And unfortunately, I've worked in so many factories that that's like makes up most of my resume. So, you know, that's what I have the most experience with. But that was an example of suffering through sensory issues. And the next one on my list is pretending you are an extrovert when you are not. And that is a little bit related to what I was just saying about drinking. If you drink to talk, you're pretending that you are an extrovert when you're not, basically. And, you know, it is true that alcohol makes you say things that maybe you're hiding and you might want to say, but you don't have the courage. It is liquid courage, after all. <laughs> but I don't really believe that we are truly extroverts if we're not that way naturally. So... Yeah, if you if you ever find yourself being super extroverted when you know it I mean like it takes a lot of energy to be extroverted. And if you can't sustain it for more than an hour or two, then you're not really an extrovert. You're probably an ambivert, which I think I think that's the correct word where you can be either one in different situations. And I guess I have to say, I, there are situations where I can be like an extrovert, but extroverts, you know, I, now I'm taking that back now because I'm remembering the definition. And the definition is all about um, extroverts recharge when they're around other people and introverts recharge when they're alone. 
So I'm always an, an introvert, even when I'm not acting like one. I still always need that alone time to recharge. The next item on my list is people-pleasing to gain others' acceptance. This is huge for children and teenagers especially, even into our 20s. I don't think people stop doing this behavior until they're in their 30s or 40s, and sometimes even then they might not. And I was really bad at this too. You know, like saying yes to everything that my friends wanted to do, giving them rides, places. Oh, I was really bad at this when I was a teenager. I, I would drive my friends around because I was the only one with a license. I was the only one, I was older than my friends. And they ended up, I talked about this in my friends episode where I, you know, struggles with friendships and then when I was a teenager. They, they used me for my car and I didn't realize it. They had me drive like an hour from home, which was the first time I had ever driven that far. And I, I didn't know how to get back and they just kept leading me farther away because they needed to buy drugs. And so I got into that situation because I was people pleasing. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I was friends with them girls for a couple years, but you know, of course we grew apart because I think when you're that age, nobody's really truly themselves, and I certainly wasn't. The next masking behavior is accepting friends or partners that you know are not right for you. This is another example of boundaries. And a lot of people, when they're teenagers, you know, they want all the friends they can get, especially like a partner for the first time. And this was me, ding, ding, ding. I... I wanted a partner so bad, I didn't even, I don't think, I, I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was 26. And by that time, I was like, you know, if I don't date this guy, I'm probably going to be alone forever. So I, I dated him. <laughs> of course, he wasn't right for me, and it took me two and a half years to realize that because I thought this was all I could get, and I was just stuck in a rut. And, but I knew it didn't feel right. And, you know, I also had two more boyfriends after that that were not right for me. And I also dated some other guys in between that that never became boyfriends. Because by that time, I was getting a little better at recognizing what was not right for me. And as you get older, this becomes easier, of course. Because, you know, once you become your authentic self and you know who you are, you know what kind of people you want to be with. And that goes for friends or partners. The next example of masking is pretending to be interested in things you are not. <laughs> and you know, a lot of these have some overlap, and I've talked about this, you know, where I was in my 20s, even teens, and I didn't have any of my own hobbies. I don't think I had a single hobby other than listening to music. But I, don't know if you, I don't know if you can even count that as a hobby because that's just something everybody does. It's not like a... It's not like something you go out and do with other people and it becomes like a, a spare time thing. It's hard to explain what a hobby is really, but <laughs> um, I didn't really have any interests of my own until I was in my late 30s. <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I pretty much was interested in the same things that everybody else was, you know, movies and music and hanging out with people driving around, looking for people to hang out with, going to the mall, you know, going to stores, going out to eat, 
those are just such common things that everybody does. So it was so easy to do them. And I mean, I had things that I liked. Like I was always interested in like spiritual things, but I never really dived deep into it. I just bought, you know, candles and lava lamps and, you know, incense and stuff like that. But I don't know if I would consider that a hobby. Those are just things that are cool that I like to have around my bedroom. But, you know, as far as doing things in the world and like my hobbies now are completely different than that. They're like, I got into photography for a while. I do hula hooping now. I love to um, do storm chasing, although I haven't done that much lately because my car is old and I don't want to drive it a lot. Um, I also really love camping, hiking. Um, I'm really into holistic wellness. I've actually got another business that's all about holistic wellness. So yeah, those things and more deeper into spirituality. I got into all that stuff hardcore when I was in my 30s and 40s. And I'm like, wow, I, I wish I would have been able to do this stuff 20 years ago because why was I wasting all my time doing things I didn't want to do? It was to make friends. <laughs> now I care more about the things I love than making people happy and making people like me. The next masking behavior is dressing to follow trends rather than what you like. And... You know, this one is probably the one that I've done the least because I've always been drawn to pretty colors like purple, blue, and green are my favorite colors and black too because it goes nice with those. So every piece of clothing that I ever have owned, I think, has been black, purple, green, or blue. And I, I'm always kind of particular with the way clothes feel. I like them to be soft and stretchy. And, you know, I can't stand jeans. Sitting down in a pair of jeans, to me, almost feels like torture. Wearing bras that are too tight, like the wire cut bras, with, you know, just, I, I feel constricted and I feel like my body can't move correctly. And the older I get, the more these things are a problem. <laughs> so basically, I dress to keep myself comfortable. I wear a lot of fleece, like soft, fluffy, fleece around the house. That's pretty much what I live in when in the fall, winter, and the spring. And in the summer, I like to wear dresses with leggings under them. I love leggings because, you know, they're not tight around the waist. So I don't care if the clothes that I wear are not trendy. And I did care about this in high school, but I didn't care about it much after that because, I mean, it, it's easy to find clothes that you like that are in stores. You know, it's it, so, tr yeah, the trends thing, just, I never got that. And that's a girl thing. You know, that's why I don't have things in common with most girls, because a lot of girls will be like, we're going to go to the mall and buy the, the, the latest pair of jeans that's out and some boots and some accessories. <laughs> and then there's me, you know, wearing my leggings and my fluffy soft shirt and comfortable shoes, like... I, I don't want any of that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, the, the whole trends thing when it comes to clothing is just over my head. So now I'm to the last one, the last example on my list, and that is forcing yourself to act in any way that makes you uncomfortable. 
This is a big one, and this brings me to one of the subjects that I wanted to talk about was being in social situations. You know, we would not need to mask if there was no such thing as social norms and things that we are raised in. Like, you know, when you're, when you're growing up, you have to go to all the family functions. You have to go to, you know, weddings, funerals, graduation parties, baby showers, family reunions. <clears throat> and the way that you act at those, I've noticed, is so completely different from who you really are. Unless you're lucky and you have a family that's similar to you and likes the same things that you do and they're not judgmental and you know like one of my least favorite things in the entire world is going to a family function and having to see like 40 50 60 people that you only see once a year whatever and they ask you questions like so what are you doing for a living now <laughs> oh that question just makes me cringe so hard if you're listening to this, do not ever ask anybody that question ever. I don't care. It's horrible because, you know, I think that people ask that question because either they're nosy or they just don't know what to say and they're just making conversation, you know. And that's, to me, that's the kind of conversation that autistic people do not like is like small talk. You know, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good too. Com to me, that's completely unnecessary. You know, and this brings me to the subject of conversations online. I don't do small talk, even online. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, they get on Facebook Messenger or whatever and they'll be like, hi. And I'm like, Okay, I'm just going to say hi back. That's it. You know, that's all they said. That's all I'm going to say. It's dumb, but whatever. <laughs> and then the next thing they say is, how are you doing? Well, I mean, it's fine. I like that people care if they do care, but I don't feel like they're asking because they care. And the reason why I say that is because when I answer them, they don't acknowledge what I said. <laughs> you know, I think they're asking because they really want to know and so I say how I'm doing and they just answer with how they're doing instead. If you can hear that siren, I apologize. It's the tornado warning. There is not a tornado. It's the middle of December. It's the monthly. They have to test them. Um, so yeah, when you are talking to people online, that, that stuff is considered small talk as well, you know? I, I don't see the point. If I want to say something to somebody, I'm just going to get on Messenger, type out what I need to say, and say it. There is none of this small talk, time wasters that people don't really care about, you know. If you're going to ask me how I'm doing, at least respond to what my answer is. Don't just go back to you, because then what do I do? Do I keep explaining why I am the way I am or do I completely disregard myself and start focusing on the other person when they didn't do it to me? So that's just a thing that I hate. <laughs> and that's and that's an example of acting in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Not that not that small talk is uncomfortable on the internet. In person it really is though. 
And um, acting in ways that you feel uncomfortable can be so many things, like work in general. I think work is one of the biggest forms of masking that there is. And that can even be um, job interviews. It can be the way that your coworkers are with you. It can be the way that your bosses treat you. So, you know, not just the way they treat you, but, you know, the, the interaction that you have with them ends up being, you feel fake. You f that's why it's called masking. You're acting in a way that is not you because you have to put on this mask. You, it's the work mask. <laughs> I'm going to start calling it the work mask because I have never, I don't think I've ever in my life acted myself at a job. Because you're putting on a face for the public sometimes. You know, if you're working with customers, you have to be a certain way. And, you know, just like I said about the family, you have to be a certain way. You can't just talk about what you want and behave how you want. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's a biggie, the whole work thing. And I want to go a little bit deeper into the, the thing that I mentioned about interviews. I've heard this said by so many people that the job interview thing is just the worst example, or not the worst example, it's like the worst experience for autistic people because it's, you're being asked to pretend that you are someone you're not and, you know, that's fine if you're, if you're used to it and you want to do it and you're trying to do it, but in a job interview, nobody, nobody, nobody wants to work at that job. So when they ask you the stupid question, why do you want to work for this company? <laughs> That's the worst question. That's like the equivalent, another example of how bad the question is of what do you do for a living? Why do I want to work at this company? Because I need money? <laughs> but you can't just say that. <laughs> so you have to come up with this bullshit lie that, you know, you're lying through your teeth and you also have to give them eye contact, which is something that people that are autistic are hard hard for them to do. Um, yeah, just I could go on and on about that. And I've talked about, I might have talked about that a little bit in my work episode. I have an episode about struggles with work that you can watch after this. Um, okay, so I'm going to go back to the book now, the, the bite-sized autism book, and I'm going to cover some things that I didn't mention yet before I end this episode. So, um, let's see here what I want to talk about. Basically, it leads to burnout if you mask too long. It leads to illness. It leads to misdiagnosis and even suicide. So, if you are masking too much for too long, and you do go to a therapist or mental health professional, they might think, that you just have ADHD or you just have bipolar disorder. They don't think you have autism because you might be forcing yourself to make eye contact. You might be hiding your stims. You might be talking differently, putting on a mask, obviously. So they might not notice that you that you have the autism traits if you're if you're hiding them. So this is why it's very important if you do get diagnosed in the session with your psychotherapist, uh, whatever you would call it, psychiatrist, psychologist. <laughs> I don't even really know what, what it is, but 
whatever the people are, you know, you have to be your true self to them. Otherwise, they're just going to misdiagnose you with something else. They're not going to see the autism traits. So you have to completely let it all hang out. I mean, that's what these people are for. They're here to see us at our worst or see us at our realist, I should say, because that's, you know, I remember during my intake session with the guy that diagnosed me, um, we got on the subject of masking and he said something like, so this is the real you right now, right? And I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm, why do I need to hide anything? I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to make you see what my life is like. And I was, I let it all hang out. And so that is, you know, important to remember if you need to get diagnosed and, you know, be yourself. Um, let's see here. Um, I'm gonna kind of go into ways that we can unmask because that's a, that's a really big subject and so many people ask about that. So for me personally, I can tell you what I did and this is because I did not know that I was autistic at the time, but, um, the, I, like I said, I, I drank in order to talk to people. That was my biggest form of masking. And when I quit drinking, it was because I, I cared about my health. Like I said, one of my special interests is holistic wellness and being healthy. Like I want my body to be as healthy as possible. I don't want to be putting poison and chemicals in my body. So I stopped drinking alcohol because I wanted to, you know, really up my game when it came to taking care of my health. And then after I quit drinking alcohol, of course, I didn't really want to go to the bars anymore. So, um, I guess by that time though, I was in my forties. I was in my early forties to mid forties, I guess, when I quit drinking. And that's around the time when I started going to music festivals. And that's a whole different scene than bars. Um, because number one, music is my favorite thing in life. Um, music festivals are outdoors, so I'm in nature. Um, other people that are at the music festivals are people like me. Um, so they're like free-spirited, open-minded, accepting people. A lot of them have dreadlocks like I do. So, you know, it's, and we all dress like hippies, you know, there ain't no jeans there. We're wearing, you know, flowy, silky skirts and and we're not wearing shoes because we're just running around barefoot on the grass. And that's my kind of scene, my kind of people. So when I started going to those, there was no need for me to um, drink, you know. So, and I don't even need to do drugs at a festival. I have before, but I don't need to because I'm already feeling the high from just being in nature, listening to music and dancing and hula hooping and talking to all these people that are that are a lot like me. Um, not saying that they're autistic, but they're they're different people. It's a different kind of people than the real life people. You know, they're not they're not judgmental for the most part. I mean, some of them they're just they're human. You know, so some of them are judgmental, but. I guess in that situation, nobody is. We're all just dancing and smiling and loving life. So that's how, that was what helped me unmask was finding my people and finding my thing. You know, that's one of my hobbies is going to music festivals and going camping too. 
So if you find the thing that lights you up, which, you know, probably your special interest, which most people have, most autistic people get completely obsessed with something and just dive into it and want to talk about it with everybody. So do that. Find that thing. Find the people that love that thing. And then that can be helpful for you to unmask because you won't need to mask when you're around the people that love the same things you do. And that's a really big key. Um, another way to unmask is to work on your boundaries. Like I said, if you're acting different, if you're saying yes to too many things, you know, if you're people pleasing, those are going to wear you down, wear down your energy. So you just want to put yourself first. It sounds bad because people are like, I don't want to be seen as selfish. <laughs> but that it's all about self-care, really. It's not selfish. It's putting yourself first because you can't be there for other people if you're not there for yourself. Um, when you're in an airplane and the, there's an emergency, the masks come down and you are told to put your mask on first before you put your child's mask on first or help other people. Always yourself because you're no good if you're going to die before you can help them. <laughs> you know, same way with real life. A good way to unmask is to put yourself first. Focus on self-care, but, but do it in a, um, a, a way that you know, you're not being completely selfish. You're not shutting people out. You're just saying, I need my time. I need, this is what I need and I can help you later. I can do this with you later. But right now I need to do this thing for myself. I need some time to recuperate, whatever. So that's a good way to unmask. Um, I guess the other things would be whatever the actual behavior is, just find what the opposite is. Although I do have to say, one thing that you should not unmask with is stimming. And the reason for that is because when we stim, we are regulating our nervous system. That's the entire reason why we do it. It's to calm the anxiety in our body and our mind. And I can't even physically stop. Like it's, it's, it's happening on a constant basis whether or not I'm even aware of it. Sometimes I can control it, but like, if I, like even right now while I'm talking, I'm rocking back and forth and I'm rubbing my fingernail. I rub my thumbnail with my fingers and I rub it on my lip a lot too. And it's so much that my thumbnail is actually shiny. Like I'm wearing it, I'm buffering it. Buffing it is what I was meant to say. I'm buffing it with my finger. And that's something that I just, I don't need to stop it. If I do stop it, then I'm probably going to get really anxious. So don't worry. Don't beat yourself up if you do a lot of stimming. There are ways that you can control it around other people. Like you can buy stim toys, fidget toys, really. Um, they're all over the place. You can get them almost anywhere. And they're becoming a lot more widespread, a lot more um, accepted. So don't feel bad at all for masking. And, you know, I've even noticed that neurotypical people do this, too. I've seen neurotypical people bounce their leg up and down, which is what I do a lot. I can't sit without crossing my legs and bouncing a leg, bouncing in the other leg. Um, I see a lot of them rock back and forth when they're standing, but not to the extreme that autistic people do it, where they almost have to be moving something all the time. I can never sit still. Even when I'm laying in bed, I don't 
I always like wiggle my toes or rub my leg around or rub my fingernails, of course. And my biggest masking behavior, I've had this one since I was probably 10 or 11, is biting on my cheeks and my lips just chewing biting down and chewing on them because when you do that <laughs> the skin comes loose and then you almost have to keep going otherwise it's gonna bother you because you've got that big piece of skin there and like the whole insides of my cheeks are just loose skin that I have to get off <laughs> and sometimes it gets smooth but then I still chew on it which makes makes it worse so it's a never-ending cycle and I've been doing this since I was a child so um, that's something that I'm probably never going to be able to stop doing, but that's a good one because nobody can see it. <laughs> I can do it in such a way that you'd have to be just intently watching me really closely to be able to tell that I'm doing it. So out of all of the masking behaviors, that's the one that you should keep. The other ones, you know, it's really a personal decision. Nobody is telling the, telling you that you have to stop masking. It's it's really just how much can you handle because like I said it leads to burnout it leads to mental illnesses it leads to suicide sometimes if you if masking makes you feel like you don't even know who you are you know if you find yourself in your 40s and 50s and you still do all these things then that could be a problem unless I don't know there's probably people out there that can handle it and are okay with it it depends on the level you know it depends on your interactions with humans you might not even be around other people which is fine you know what your lifestyle might be in such a way that you are fine with the little bit of masking that you have to do and another thing i wanted to mention i'm glad i thought of this before i ended this episode that for me i noticed that the older i got the more I just naturally unmasked without knowing it, you know, like I said, I didn't know I was autistic until just like four months ago. So I was starting to change myself in for the better, you know, like personal development, self-care, self, personal growth, all those sorts of things. I, I've always been interested in that stuff. And it just happens naturally the older I get. And I think this is true for a lot of older people. You just, you're just not, you don't have the mental energy anymore to keep up with other people. You don't care. You really do start to not care. Like, I don't wear makeup when I go out in public because I don't care. I wear old clothes that, even though they're comfortable, they might have stains on them and that's kind of embarrassing, but like, I don't care what I look like. That's a great way to unmask, is to just dress comfortably. Dress how you want. Don't wear makeup if you don't want. Don't wear a bra if you don't want. Wear whatever you want and go out in public. The older you get, the easier this is. And you know, I always used to think, how can these old ladies walk around looking like that? At least she can look prettier, you know. But that was back when I still thought being pretty was important. Now, I can't even be pretty if I tried. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. People can look better in certain situations if they really put a lot of effort, put some effort into it. But for me, I simply just don't care. I'm done pretending that I care. I mean, I did used to care, but I'm done pretending now. And I'm just like, 
I'm me. If you if I meet somebody and I look like shit, that's what they're gonna see because they're gonna see it eventually anyway if they're gonna be in my life, so don't care about those things. And like I said, that comes with age. Most likely you will become way better at unmasking and being more of your authentic self as you get older. So you have that to look forward to. <laughs> And on that note, I'm going to end this episode. And if you want the workbook that I was going through with these examples, I will leave a link in the show notes to get that on Etsy. It's a printable download, 20 pages. It's only like eight bucks. And if you're interested in the Bite Size Autism book, I will also leave a link for that down in the show notes. It's my favorite autism book. Um, so yeah, check those out if you're interested. And thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week.